Several U.S. states have enacted public health plans in an attempt to expand affordable coverage options for consumers. States have long been a proving ground for innovations in health policy, and these first attempts at establishing a public option illustrate the political, legal, and fiscal challenges facing this healthcare reform effort. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Erin Fusé-Brown, an Associate Professor of Law and Director of the Center for Law, Health, and Society at Georgia State University. Professor Fusé-Brown has co-authored a perspective article about state public option plans. Professor Fusé-Brown, could you start by explaining the logistics and the goals of a public option plan in a broad sort of sense? Sure. A public option has lots of connotations, particularly in this day and age. But really, at its core, public option plans are government-sponsored health plans. And what makes them public isn't necessarily that they are administered by the government. They can be administered by private health insurance companies, but they pay publicly determined rates. Usually, the provider rates are somewhat pegged to either a Medicare rate or some other publicly determined rate. So a public option is a government-sponsored plan that pays publicly determined rates. And what they're really designed to do is put pricing pressure on the private health insurance system by pegging a health plan that competes with private health insurance to publicly determined rates. So bringing sort of public payment rates into the private health insurance market. So you write in your perspective article that despite public support, a national public option is currently beyond reach. Why is that? And do you see that changing anytime soon? The reason a national public option is currently beyond reach is that it, it has to do with the Senate filibuster, really, at the end of the day. So any big health reform, whether it's the Affordable Care Act or even some of the coronavirus relief funding that we saw come out of Congress in the last couple of years, has to do with the way that Congress passes laws. So to pass something as significant as health reform, you basically cannot do it without a 60-vote majority in the Senate. And right now, of course, Democrats do not have 60 votes. They have 51 votes. And so unless the Senate filibuster were to be done away with, the idea of passing something as large as health reform and even a public option type of health reform would require overcoming that Senate filibuster because otherwise you have to do it in what's called budget reconciliation. Budget reconciliation is a more limited vehicle for legislation and everything in the budget reconciliation bill has to relate to the budget. And so it has some effect on the federal deficit or the federal budget. And so you can't just put in place all new policies governing the regulation of the healthcare market strictly through tax policy, for example. So that's why we really imagine that even though there's broad public support for a public option, that's going to be quite a while before either the Senate changes its filibuster rules or there's enough support in Congress to make sure that that can overcome the 60-vote threshold. That brings us to the state level. Which states have already enacted public option health plans and what others might be on the horizon? So the original state public option was Washington State. Washington passed its public option, Cascade Care, back in 2019 and it went into effect earlier this year in 2021. Just this year, Colorado and Nevada joined Washington by legislating a public option in their states. Of course, those are still in implementation to be implemented in a couple of years in the case of Colorado or in 2026 in the case of Nevada. And there are other states that have proposed public options, but these two new additions of state public options, Nevada and Colorado, are the ones that we're really looking at in this perspective. So you said earlier that some public options actually use private health insurers to administer them. 
And in fact, Washington, Nevada, and Colorado all chose to have their public option administered by private insurers rather than by the state itself. So what are the implications of that kind of decision? I think that there are a lot of political advantages to having the private health insurance companies administer a public option. One is that it sort of takes away the argument that we are doing away with private health insurance by implementing a public option. The other reason, and this is sort of more of a practical reason than political, is that the private health plans really know how to administer private health insurance. They have the utilization review capabilities. They have the claims processing. They have all the administrative apparatus. And so rather than sort of having a state build that entire system anew for itself, it can leverage the existing capacity of the private health insurance carriers in their own market. The other implications, though, is it doesn't necessarily mean that the private health insurance companies are very excited about the fact that the state has implemented a public option because they still have their own private plans on the market that they would like to be able to sell and market and be able to make money from. And so a lot of times they might see this as cutting into their existing market share or their existing products that are already available. So there may be some discomfort by the private health insurance carriers. The other question is whether or not a privately administered public option is really a public option. And there are some who sort of debate whether or not a private health insurance carrier can be trusted or should be given the task of administering something that is ultimately a publicly funded or a publicly subsidized product. But we do see lots of examples of this already. So we have the Medicare Advantage program, which is basically a privately administered version of Medicare and the Medicaid managed care plans do the same thing in the Medicaid program. So it's not necessarily anathema to the idea of a public option to have private health insurance carriers administer the public option plan. You say in your article that the biggest challenge that state public options face is limiting provider rates. How have states gone about trying to do that and how promising do those efforts look? So Washington was the first public option at the state level. And Washington's state experience really shows some of the struggle with the effort to limit provider rates. When Washington's bill was first proposed, it had put in place a provider rate cap that basically mirrored Medicare, saying that the public option would pay providers Medicare rates. And that's the way it would bring down the costs of health insurance. It would make it more affordable and really put pricing pressure on the private health insurance market. Of course, that was very unpopular with the providers, particularly the hospitals in Washington state. And so that number got pushed all the way up to 160% of Medicare being the cap for the public option plan in Washington state. And as a result, when the health insurance premiums for these marketplace plans, including the public option in Washington came out, the public option plan wasn't actually more affordable. The premiums weren't lower than the private insurance plans. And so it could be because this 160% of Medicare was just too generous. And on the one hand, it didn't actually bring affordability into view, but it also was low enough that it did scare off some hospitals from wanting to participate. So the new states, Nevada and Colorado, sort of learned from this example. And rather than setting a provider payment rate cap in the legislation itself, they say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to tell the insurance companies that offer the public option to bring down the cost of premiums over time at a rate of sort of a 5% savings rate over each year for three years. And that that premium control in it, of course, how do you achieve lower premiums? Well, you need to have lower provider payment rates, but we're going to leave it to the insurance companies and the hospitals to negotiate their way to that savings, that 5% savings rate. So I think that that is what the new states are doing is really putting it back on the insurance industry and the hospital industry to work out amongst themselves how they're going to achieve those savings 
rather than having the state in the first instance set what the provider payment rate is going to be. And so I think that that's the struggle is that it is very politically unpopular to set up a payment rate out there, even if one as generous as 160% of Medicare. Looking beyond provider rates, both nationally and on the state level, there's political opposition from the healthcare industry altogether to any threat to its revenue, and the public option would be one potential threat. How have these state policymakers tried to navigate industry influence? I think that what we've seen is that the public option plans at the state level started out looking quite robust and having a lot of policy impact in terms of improving affordability for consumers and the individuals purchasing coverage on the marketplaces. And what we're seeing is that in the face of extreme opposition from the hospital industry, the insurance industry, that those aggressive sort of cost savings rate caps are whittled down over time so that now we see these sort of much more timid, much more watered down provider rate caps, or in the case of Nevada and Colorado, avoiding provider rate caps altogether and really just using them as a backstop in the event that the insurance companies and the hospital industry can't reach through private negotiations, the same types of savings that the state wants to achieve. And so I think what we're seeing is that all of that political wrangling, we're seeing it play out at the state level. And I can imagine that that's going to play out every time we see any policy, whether the state or federal level, to improve affordability. Because improving affordability for consumers has to come out of somewhere, and it comes out of the payment rates that providers receive, particularly hospitals. And so hospitals are also very politically powerful. They are often the biggest employers and some of the most powerful players in any given region or in a state. And so they're very powerful at the state level, and they're also very powerful at the national level. And so, again, this tug of war between trying to improve affordability for consumers on the one hand and curbing hospital rates and profits on the other hand is going to run into each other every time we have any policy discussion about affordability. Finally, given all of that, what state or federal policy decisions do you think could be implemented that would help public option plans save money for consumers and reduce healthcare costs more generally? So I think there's a question of what could be done within the political constraints that we see. When people ask me, what do I think about these public option plans that these three states have put forward? Do I think that they're good? Do I think that they're going to achieve their goals? I think that they're a really good start. I think they build a structure and a framework to increase the ability for the state to put rate caps or to curb particularly the outlier hospital rates in their area that are really driving healthcare spending. And it gives them a tool. The problem is they need to have the political capital to use that tool. And so I think in some ways, building this framework and then having in your back pocket, as Colorado does, the ability to step in and actually set those provider rate caps if the industry players can't reach the savings through private negotiation, I think that is potentially a way forward. And if we see these public options or other types of provider pricing constraints catch on and we see some growth slowing over time. And so political will to actually improve the aggressiveness of these provider rate cuts or caps, then I think that we could see affordability actually improve over time. The problem is whether or not the policymakers are going to be willing to take on the hospital industry. And so I think that when you ask what could be done, there's a lot that could be done just as a practical matter to bring down healthcare prices through more aggressive rate caps. But the problem is the political will and ability to do so. Thank you, Professor Fusé-Brown.